Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. It's great to be here, and as I look at you guys, I'm so, so thankful because you are among those who have made the choice to serve the purpose of God. Because to serve is, is making a decision, a choice to give of yourself to be able to invest in the lives of others, and that's, that's notable. And tonight we want to allow the Spirit of God to encourage us in a way that can help us to serve better and equip you to, to excel in, in all that you do. And, and, and what we do at church and our service here is only amplified in what we do outside these four walls, and, and that's pretty incredible. Uh, I, I love the team building activity. I'm kind of a person who always likes to put puzzles together. Uh, we had a great team here. I, we, I think there were too many hands, and, and I needed a magnifying glass or something because I couldn't read the states. Maybe that's a sign of age. I don't know. But, you know, I was thinking that's the perfect one for this message tonight because I want to talk a little bit about vision. And when you think about a vision, sometimes people are trying to live out a vision and they don't have the big picture. And, and it's always difficult to, to put a puzzle together if you don't have the big picture, if you don't have the completed picture. Because that gives you a guide to know how and where the pieces fit and come together. And every every puzzle has a boundary and that's where we start we start by where are the boundaries what's the extent where where do we stop where do we start what does God have for us and so again I I I like to start every team night by kind of casting the vision for these type of gatherings because for those who serve especially we want to invest in you and so your role is significant even though you might think well I'm just I, I welcome people, I'm a, I, I greet people at the door, I'm, I'm a host, or don't ever minimize the role that you serve because it's significant. And as we learned tonight, with, without the peace that you represent, the picture is not complete, okay? And so team night is really not so much about us, it's about how our God wants to use us to impact the lives of others, Okay? And uh, within the body of refuge and as well as within this community, it's, it's a passion in my heart to make an impact. And, and, you know, we can do that individually, but together as a team, we can do it in a greater, at a greater level, in a greater magnitude. And so team meetings are really for building, for connecting, for allowing us to emerge together to serve the purpose of God that he's called us to. And so there's three primary key words I'd like to say or that uh, have to do with, with even tonight and, and team night. The first is empower. To be empowered, we, we need to leave empowered so that we can walk out and take action so we can do something with what we've received. And then secondly, to equip. To equip, we need to know how to do our job better. You know, uh, every every successful businesses looking how they, how they can improve what they're already doing. Uh, they don't get to a place, well, this is fine, we're, we're okay, this is good enough. No, we don't settle with good enough because we are called to excel. 
to refine, to redefine if necessary, so we can accomplish the objective that God has laid out before us, which is really the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, okay? And then thirdly, uh, to encourage. We need to know the significance of our role so that we can serve to make an impact. You need to be encouraged because something we all struggle with at times is this thing called discouragement. Because we, we fall short, we come up lacking, and we sometimes look at our lives and we think, oh, I'm a mess. And so we can become discouraged. But to be encouraged is really when somebody gives you courage so that you can stand, so that you can run the race, so that you can endure, so that you can accomplish what needs to be done. And so really the result is, with all these things together, is making an impact in people's lives. And one person can make a difference, and you all do that well, but it takes a team to make an impact. And it's already been said tonight, I probably don't need to even say it, when everyone does their part, every need is met. When everyone does their part, the purpose of God is served. The will of God is, is executed and carried out. And see, we have a divine mandate at Refuge. And this divine mandate is, is given to us as a team. And God always establishes, like a spearhead, somebody to release and cast the vision. But it's a team that actually fulfills and carries it out. Pastor Deb and I can't do it alone. We need you. And you're part of the team, and we're so thankful for you. As I look about this auditorium, I just think you guys are an answer to prayer. You know, and turn to the person next to you, and I know I don't like this when a preacher does it, but turn to the person next to you and say, you know what? You're an answer to prayer. You really are, okay? <laughs> All right, well, do that. Ephesians 4.16, and, and this kind of fits with this whole concept. It's speaking of, of the body of Christ and how it functions in that whole part of Ephesians chapter 4. But in verse 16 in particular, it reads, and this is God's word translation. I like how it states it. He makes the whole body fit together. And see, that's kind of like that puzzle. It, it all fits. There's a piece that fits. In fact, how many of you thought a piece would fit in one place and you tried to put it in there and it just didn't fit? And so then you set it aside and then you find the right piece for that place. And as it says here, he makes the whole body fit together, just like a puzzle, and unites it through the support of every joint. As each and every part does its job, he makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And see, that's ultimately God's desire for refuge is that we grow. And as we're functioning, when everyone is doing their part, we're going to see growth. We're going to see something significant that will really be a reflection of the heart of God. See, the church is something that's supernatural. It's not like an organization that just has a, maybe a goal or an objective. The church is an organism. It's living. It's, it's, it exuberates the very life of God. And, and we carry the DNA of, of the Heavenly Father. And together we are to invade a community with God's DNA, with his love, with his presence, with, with displaying 
and showing forth his character. And so uh, vision, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about vision a little bit here. Vision unites us under the same purpose. It really unites us under the same purpose. And our vision at Refuge is we believe that all people matter to God. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that all people matter to God? That's the first part of our vision. This is a place where we grow, finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus Christ. And see, it's, it's displaying that and, and finding those elements so that we can really display Jesus to a lost and dying community. Now, one way our vision is carried out is through genuine concern for others. And I want to talk briefly about that tonight. What does it mean to have genuine concern and care for someone else? It really means that you begin to take your eyes off of yourself and really seriously consider the needs of another person. That's what Jesus did. He didn't serve self-interest. You know, he didn't look at what he could do for himself. He looked at how he could be a blessing to others. And see, there's something that happens in our life when we begin to serve and demonstrate a genuine concern and care for others, then God will somehow bless us and equip us and take care of that which concerns us. But when we have a body that displays genuine concern and care for others, then we're pouring into each other's lives. And consequently, then we're built up as a team. We're built up as a body of believers, okay? And so uh, great servants, and I'm calling you great servants. I speak that over you tonight. Have genuine care and concern for others. That's something that's fostered. See, we don't just see a number. We don't see just a name. We see a person that has needs that God created and designed for specific purpose, and that God has an eternal plan for them. And, and I, I don't ever want to get to the place where it's just all about numbers, although numbers are important because there's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers, right? Okay? Uh, but we don't want to diminish that, or, but yet it's really about individuals. Uh, it's interesting because the whole mindset of communism, it wasn't about the individual at all. It was about the totality of the populace. Okay, And so that's what counted. The individual didn't matter. But it was the combined people, the populace, that's what mattered. But that's not how God sees it. God sees that every individual matters. Every person matters. And see, the heart of God displays a genuine concern and care for the individual. And we as servants, we as volunteers need to have that same mindset. How am I demonstrating genuine care and concern for someone else today. You know, we do it in our own households with our babies, with our, you know, hopefully our spouse. But, but outside, you know, our home, how are we doing that within the community? How are we doing that within the, the church as, as we serve and gather together from week to week in various functions? So be genuine. Genuine means that you have the ability to relate to, connect with. It's being of interest or importance to someone. It's demonstrating that. It's when you display or engage a person's attention, their interest, or their care. In other words, you're involved in someone else's life to help them succeed 
to invest in a way that they can get through a difficult time. The world is hurting out there. People are in despair. They're crying out. They don't have answers. Guess what? We have the answer. His name is Jesus. It's a person that can transform their life. And, and so concern, we talked about genuine, but concern, actually, the word genuine, I got ahead of myself, means to be real, okay? And genuine is used to describe people and things that are exactly what they appear to be. In other words, there's no hidden motives or agenda. What you see is what you get, okay? They're not false. They're not an imitation. They're the real deal. And so that's something about us. And for those who serve here, Pastor Deb and I desire is that you are the real deal, that you're genuine, that you're not just serving in your post or your position because you're just filling a need. You're serving a purpose. And you're connecting with people, and they see the joy in you. They see, this person really cares for me. If you're a host they're finding a, and you're finding a seat for somebody, they'll say, wow, they, they, they found me a seat. They took the time to do that. And yeah. And so and it all starts right here in 1 Corinthians 12.25. There's a passage. 1 Corinthians 12.25 in, in God's Word translation states this. God's purpose was that the body should not be divided, but rather that all of its parts should feel the same concern for each other. The same concern. See, that's what God spoke concerning the church. That we as a church body show the same concern one for another. Wow. Do you believe that can happen in a church body? Absolutely, because that's God's design for the church. Now, it's interesting, Timothy, who was a, a, a man that the Apostle Paul mentored, that was able to uh, be a spiritual father to, uh, he saw a need in one of the churches, and he recommended Timothy and put him on assignment to help that church at Philippi. And uh, Paul spoke of Timothy, and he said, I don't know anybody uh, who is more like-minded that will show and demonstrate genuine concern and love for you. He knew that about Timothy because he knew something about Timothy's character. And we see that in Philippians 2.20. It says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. You know, how would you like that recommendation? Hey, I know of no one that is like-minded or that has the ability to show genuine concern for your well-being. And, and see, that's, that's our objective, that we can establish volunteers and those who serve with that kind of demeanor, that kind of heart. Now, we have this thing of, of transition, and, and I believe that we're always at in some level of transition. Things are always changing around us, right? And there's a transition in the mentality that I've experienced, and Pastor Devin, the lead team of this church has experienced, in how we connect, relate with the body, how we relate to volunteers, how we connect and relate to the community. And even for those who serve, there's a transition taking place, and you may have noticed it. And that transition is, it's a shift from the pastor being the hill to those who serve becoming the hills. Now, I have a problem with my speech, so uh, it's H-E-I-O. You can say it. It's a hill, okay? <laughs> I have a problem seeing my eyes. Isn't that amazing? God still uses me. But anyway, 
So it's a shift that it's the team, it's the volunteers, because there's greatness that God's raising up. You know, there's uh, the celebrity, the day of celebrities is within the church is, is passing. I mean, God is raising up great men and women of God to stand in the pulpit to serve and minister, but it's not going to have a celebrity mindset. And if you notice, we're having other young men and ladies speak in this pulpit, serve, and giving them opportunity to share. I don't have to be front and center all the time because I want to see this body raised up. Those who serve and volunteer on this team become the heroes, okay? And, that, and, and really, God gets the ultimate glory and the victory, right? And so as a leader, we are to take the spotlight off of ourselves and shine it upon emerging leaders so they can have opportunity as well. And, and I believe that requires Christ-like humility and kingdom-minded vision. That's necessary. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 28, 18, where there's no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is he who keeps the law. And so vision gives us that border, that boundary, that restraint, that parameter that we can function in. I'm going to share some statements about vision, and, and if you are a good note-taker and you want to take these down, do that. But this will also be in the podcast, so you'll be able to listen to it later if you want. But vision is the ability to see or perceive God's plan concerning the future. See, God wants to give you insight. He wants to give you foresight so you can see what he wants to do and so that you can hook up with that to see God's vision fulfilled or what he desires to do in a community fulfilled or within a church fulfilled. Vision is a revelation that gives life meaning. Life is not meaningless when we have vision. Vision is a revelation that gives life value. It gives life direction, significance, and purpose so that you're not just wandering aimlessly, so that you're not just going about, well, I have no purpose or direction, but I'm just making it through life. See, vision holds endless possibilities of what could be and what should be, okay? And it's really connected with the heart of God to, to see his vision. Without vision, there's nothing that keeps our life on track. And we end up just going about walking and living life without purpose. I like this quote from Helen Keller. Uh, Helen, you know who Helen Keller was? She was a, a little girl that I think at the age of three, she was blind. Or was she born blind? I think she was born blind. And she, you know, had this handicap, but she didn't let this handicap make her insignificant. She was able to overcome her handicap and become a great leader and a great voice to generations. And she made this statement, said, the most pathetic person in the world. Now think about this. This is a blind person saying this. The most pathetic person in the world is someone in the world is someone who has sight but no vision. I'll say that again. The most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight, but it's going to be difficult to navigate through the obstacles of life. God wants you to have vision. A vision is actually the act or the power of seeing, okay? Perceiving. It could be an idea. It could be an image. It could be a dream of what is possible for the future. 
And there's great possibilities for the future. Now, you can be in the mindset that it's all going down, the world's getting worse, but we need people with vision that could see a better tomorrow, a better future that's invaded by the presence of God where people encounter Jesus Christ who can change and transform their lives. That's what the world needs now is Jesus. And he can change things in a hurry. Just give him a chance, okay? And vision is the ability to imagine or even use your imagination to dream. Wow. Vision even makes suffering and disappointment bearable, believe it or not, because vision gives you the drive to keep in there, to stick it out, to see it through. It gives us hope. Vision inspires the depressed and motivates the discouraged. So maybe you came in here tonight discouraged, but I don't want you to leave discouraged. I want you to leave like, hey, we can make it. We can overcome this present crisis we're facing. You know, it might be as simple as a parking lot that needs to be redone. And it's, it's, they're going to be here tomorrow, they said. We're supposed to be here Tuesday. Got rain delays and all that. But the job's going to be done. Okay, delay is not denial, right? And so realize that we exist for a reason. We really do. An important step to fulfilling a reason for existence is understanding we've been given a vision. See, there's corporate vision, there's individual vision for your life. You should have a vision for your family, for your marriage, for your household. Um, purpose is actually knowing and understanding what we were born to accomplish. Whether you realize it or not, you were born to accomplish something. And, and really, purpose is knowing that and understanding that. And vision is when we conceive in our mind by faith what that purpose is and begin to step out and fulfill it. Vision is a glimpse of the future that God has purposed for our lives. It really is. And see, vision isn't just about seeing clearly. It's about looking beyond our current circumstance and living life with a divine purpose in mind. Wow. How many of you want a divine purpose? And that divine purpose always results in in greatness emerging in your life so that you can overcome whatever hang-up, whatever hardship, whatever difficulty there is. Did not Jesus say all things are possible to him who believes? See, God delights in taking impossibilities and making something possible. Okay. I'm going to close by giving you a little exercise in just a moment. But I want to say this, that vision isn't really about us, it's about others. When God gives vision, it's essential to document and keep it before us. In Habakkuk, it says, write it down, make it plain. In Habakkuk 2.2, it says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So he who runs, he who reads it, he who runs, who reads it, okay? So he may run who reads it. I'll get it right. Um, We were created on purpose for a purpose. You believe that? And God gives us vision which serves the purpose that he's ordained for our life. See, because vision is not just for us, it includes others, we're instructed to write it down. And and that's why we always encourage you to, to write a vision for your life. What is that vision? 
vision for your marriage, for your home, for your children. And it, it may not be something that's written down, but it may be something that's embedded in your heart. But it's something that you should be able to freely communicate. And, and that's a real test. What's the vision for your life? And, and I can reduce the vision for my life in two simple words. Obey God. Obey God. That's my vision. If I can obey God, I know I will be a success. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you eat the best of the land. And, and other translations talk about that, that emerges and brings divine success into our lives. Now, uh, let, me, let me just make this statement. And I, I have an assignment for you. It's a little exercise before you leave. It's, it's going to be a good one, okay? God's vision is what he sees for our life. See, God has a vision for you. Not based on our past or even our present condition, but in light of his plan and purpose for our future. Because vision is always relating and pointing to the future of what could be and what should be for our lives. So what I want you to do is to make a never again list. What are you talking about, Pastor? What is this? It's a never again list, okay? And this is one example, okay? I have lived life selfishly, serving my own interests. Never again. In other words, never again. I'm not going to live life selfishly anymore, serving my own interests. That's one thing on my never again list, okay? How about this one? I have resisted what I have known God wants me to do with my life, never again. Never again. I have lied. I've been deceitful. Never again. Okay? Um, I pursued, I've pursued worldly pleasures. Never again. Never again. I've spoken negatively about myself. Never again. Never again. I'm not going to put myself down because God doesn't. You know, why should I say something about myself that God wouldn't say about me? Or I'll never again speak derogatory, insulting, or putting others down or negatively towards them. Never again. Never again. Okay? And so... Uh, I've let fear hold me back from pursuing my God-given purpose. Never again. Never again. See, there's something about when you say never again with a determination, with fortitude, with a conviction. See, there's something that changes in you. The Bible talks about contending for the faith. We don't get aggressive enough with our belief to really grab hold and pursue the things that God wants us to pursue. But we have to have that attitude, never again. I'm never again going to do that because that's not God's best for my life. I'm never again going to go in that place and do that thing because that's going to bring hardship and heartache into my life and the lives of others. I'm not going there, never again. And see, you have a free will to determine what you will never do again, okay? I'll never be late for service. 
<laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm just talking now, but sometimes if you have a flat tire, <laughs> I should say it this way. I've been late for service. Never again, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's my challenge to you tonight. When you have a moment to really sit down, make a never again list. And I believe as you pour over that, as you rise up with faith in your faith and speak and make those declarations, there's going to be something that changes in you because there's some patterns in your life that haven't changed even though you want them to change, but you haven't been determined enough, you haven't been aggressive enough to deal with it. You have to get to that, to that place never again. There was a day in my life I did serve the devil. Never again. I'm not going to serve the devil. I'm not going to give him another day of my life. And neither should you. Something we spoke over our children as they were raised. We would confess over their lives that they will serve. And Joan actually gave this to us. You know, and we heard that she is teaching it over her, in her classroom when she was on staff here. And she would say that our children will serve the Lord Jesus all the days of their life and they will never serve the devil. Amen? And guess what? They're all serving the Lord. Amen? And that was something that was passionate in us. And there's times that it didn't always look real good, but we would say, nope, uh uh-uh. They're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of their life. They will never serve the devil. Okay? And, you know, you need to say it loud enough so the devil hears it. He's hard of hearing. (laughs) All right. Well, let's pray. I want to pray right now. Just uh, let's join our faith together. Father, I thank you for everyone that's gathered here tonight. And I thank you for the intensity of your love and your passion for them. Father, you are someone that has our best interest at heart. You desire so much more than we even desire for ourselves. So we look to you tonight and we submit our hearts and our lives to you afresh and anew. We present ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to your service, to be servants of God. Father, use us to accomplish your will, to fulfill the vision that you have for this church, for our families, for our households, for this community and even ultimately the world. We present ourselves to you as a yielded vessel. Father, I thank you for delivering those of us here that are battling issues in their life that has discouraged them and brought defeat. We declare victory in Jesus' name. Thank you for overcoming faith that we can rise up in this hour, in this season, in triumphant victory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.